Spring is in the air at Littleton Coin Company, and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945. begin by saying what an honor it is to be with you again today. For decades, under the leadership of Reverend Sharpton, the National Action Network and the people in this room have been on the front lines of the fight for social, racial, and economic justice. You have challenged our leaders, Democrats and Republicans, to make this country live up to its best values, and you have made real progress. I am here today because as we speak, Donald Trump and the Republicans in Congress are doing everything within their power to normalize hatred, racism, and bigotry. Public conversation has gotten nastier. Voter suppression routinely targets people of color. Hate crimes are on the rise. We come to this moment at a time when the stakes are beyond high, when the very soul of our nation is in jeopardy, when we face the fight of our lives. And with so much on the line, there is no place I would rather be than standing shoulder to shoulder right here with you. Thank you. Assalamu alaikum, everyone. What starts here changes the world. Well, I've got to admit, I kind of like it. What starts here, here changes, changes the, world. the world. We are the music makers, and we are the dreamers of dreams. The average American will meet 10,000 people in their lifetime. I was handcuffed to another man from another tribe whose language I did not speak. Don't think. But if every one of you changed the lives of just 10 people, and each one of those people changed the lives of another 10 people, and another 10. We did not know each other, and we could not speak to each other, because if we could have spoken to each other, we might have been able to figure out what was happening to us. To every politician who is taking donations from the NRA, I believed them when they said they were sleeping on concrete floors. I believed them. Children being separated from their parents in front of an American flag. I believe them. And you can change the entire population of the world, eight billion people. And if you're gonna figure out what was happening to us, we might have been able to prevent it. If you think it's hard to change the lives of 10 people, change, change their, their lives, lives forever. forever. Well, it didn't happen, and here we are. I believe these women. You're wrong. I feel extremely lucky to, to be here with all of you fighting for justice, for equality, for the right for us to equally exist in this country. There were 329 uprisings, 257 cities within four and a half years. And neither Martin nor Fannie had any control over that. We might be headed to the promised land of speaking the truth and fighting our external liberty once we internally liberate ourselves. But their children were saved, and their children's children. Generations were saved by one decision, one person. But changing the world can happen anywhere, and anyone can do it. So what starts here can indeed change the world. But the question is, what will the world look like after you change it? Welcome 
to public access America. Make a stand. I know I did. Thank you very much. And may God bless us. And may God bless us. You know, for me, this fight is personal. I grew up out in Oklahoma on the ragged edges of the middle class. My family was a paycheck to paycheck family. My daddy ended up as a janitor. My mama worked a minimum wage job at Sears. I have three older brothers. They all headed off to the military. That was their ticket to America's middle class. Now, me, I was the late in life baby. I, I was known as the surprise. <laughs> and I have had one dream, one dream since I was in second grade. I wanted to be a public school teacher. Can we hear it for America's public school teachers? Yep. I knew what I wanted. And just so you all know, I worked on this early. I used to line my dollies up to teach them. I was tough but fair. <laughs> Always there. But you know, like a lot of folks, I did not live my life in a straight line. Um, my folks didn't have any money for college, but I got a scholarship. Then at 19, I fell in love. Uh, dropped out of school, got married, uh, first husband, uh, took a job answering phones, and like my mother had done. And I thought that would be my life, that I would never get a chance to be a teacher. And then I found a commuter college that cost $50 a semester. And I made it. So, I became a special needs teacher. Count me among the blessed because I have lived my dream. I am filled with gratitude. I have lived opportunity. And I am in this fight because I believe in opportunity, not just for those born into privilege. I believe in opportunity for every single one of our children. Yeah. And today, I want to talk about how opportunity gets snuffed out, how it gets taken away, and how we, you and me, how we can expand opportunity for people all across this country. There's a lot we can do, but I just want to focus on one point so we have a chance to get specific about this. Teaching special needs kids is a calling, but I finished the first year visibly pregnant, and back in those days, it meant you didn't get invited back. That's how it was. So there I was, I was at home with a baby, and I got this idea, a crazy idea, that I would go to law school. So I got everything together, it took me a year, I'd take the tests, I'd do the applications, get it all together, and I get right down to the end. We're just a few days before classes start. And I just need one thing left, daycare. But hey, how hard could that be? I searched everywhere. The places were wrong, or the prices were high, or the waiting list was a mile long. And finally, we're down to it's just less than a week before classes start. And I found a good place that we could afford. There was only one problem. They only took children who were dependably potty trained. 
I had a not quite two-year-old and just a few days left. I stand before you today courtesy of three bags of M&Ms and a cooperative toddler. <laughs> you know, otherwise I wouldn't be here. But here's the thing. Child care never stopped being an issue. It was an ever-present weight that I carried on my shoulders every single day, and it never let up. Now, eventually, I graduated from law school, hugely pregnant with baby number two. You may detect a pattern here. Um, but when I got my first real teaching job at law school in Houston, I was beyond excited. I loved teaching, and I would do anything it took to make it work. Taking care of the little ones, cooking and cleaning, doing laundry at 11 o'clock at night, it was hard, but I could do hard. It was exhausting, but I could do exhausting. The thing that got me down? Childcare. One memory is still burned into my brain. Going in late in the afternoon to pick up Alex, he was the younger one, from daycare, and there he was, dirty face, miserable in a soggy diaper. I try to lay him down to change him. He starts kicking and screaming. Finally, I picked him up and headed to the car. He kicked and screamed louder and louder, and I dropped things, and I'm getting more upset. And I stood there in the parking lot with baby snot and pee on my clothes, <laughs> unable to open the car door, completely overwhelmed. In the previous few months, we had tried it all, a babysitter, a neighbor with kids, a daycare center, another daycare center, and everything for one reason or another had fallen apart. So one night, I've been teaching for just a little while, I'm still in that first year, I put both kids to bed, and my 78-year-old Aunt B called long distance from Oklahoma to see how I was doing. I said, fine. <laughs> and then with no warning, I started to cry. I just couldn't hold it together any longer. I blurted it out. I told Aunt B I was going to quit my job. I hadn't thought about it, but everything came crashing down and the words just came tumbling out. I cried, I sobbed, I heaved. Finally, I blew my nose and I got a drink of water. And then Aunt B said the 11 words that changed my life forever. I can't come tomorrow, but I can come on Thursday. <laughs> and two days later, she arrived with seven suitcases and a Pekingese named Buddy and stayed for 16 years. <laughs> I see an Aunt B. <laughs> now, that story tells a basic truth. Nobody makes it on their own. And it tells a second basic truth. Without childcare, millions and millions of families simply won't make it at all. Now, if every working mom in the country had an Aunt B, we'd all be good. But that's not the case. And I know how lucky I was to have my Aunt B save the day. Think about the moms in America who don't have an Aunt B. 
Women working day and night, constantly worried about their children. Are they safe? Are they happy? Are they getting a first-rate educational chance that's going to give them a good start in school? Those questions gnaw on any mom, but they particularly gnaw on the moms who don't have great child care. High-quality child care is out of reach for way too many families in this country. But it is even further out of reach for African-American families struggling to make ends meet. In more than half the states in America, one year of child care costs more than a year of in-state tuition at a public university. Think about that. On average, child care for one child costs the median African-American household 22% of their income. 22%. Try building a budget around that. The numbers tell the story. Black women are more likely to be breadwinners for their family, are more likely to work more, are more likely to get paid less, and are the least likely to be able to afford decent childcare. And this is not just an accident of statistics. It is the legacy of decades of systemic discrimination against black women. Discrimination in pay, discrimination in housing, discrimination in finance, discrimination in healthcare. You pile all that together, then make high-quality childcare expensive and hard to find, and it is little wonder that childcare or the lack of good childcare holds back one generation after another in communities of color. This is just plain wrong. We are the richest country in the history of the planet. Access to high-quality childcare and education during the early stages of a child's life should not be a privilege reserved for the children of the rich. It should be a right for every single child in America. And that's why I'm proposing a big structural change. Universal child care and early education for all our babies. Now, I know that Reverend Sharpton takes this platform seriously. This is not the place for talk. This is the place for action, a real plan that we could pass into law. So I want to tell you how this plan works. For starters, we expand our network of locally licensed child care centers, preschool centers, and in-home child care options. The federal government already provides child care for all military families. And we have 900,000 kids in top-notch Head Start programs, so we have something to build on. Right now, well-to-do parents are sending their five-year-olds, their four-year-olds, their three-year-olds to preschool where they get ready for what's coming. My proposal makes that same option available, not just to rich kids, but to every kid in America. Getting smarter should not be reserved for the children of the privileged. Part two, my plan pays childcare workers like the professionals they are. More training, higher standards, and much better pay. 
These childcare workers are disproportionately black and brown women, and they have been undervalued and underpaid for far too long. Childcare workers are educators, not babysitters, and they de deserve a living wage. My plan is not only possible, but it's free for millions of children and low cost for families with higher incomes. So I just want you to think about for a second what this could mean for black families and for America. People who today are paying more than $1,000 a month could get the highest quality child care and pay nothing. That would be life changing for millions of mothers and fathers all around this country. And here's the fun part. We already know how to pay for it. All we have to do is make the ultra-wealthy pay their fair share. I call it the ultra-millionaires tax. It requires households with a net worth of $50 million or more to pay a 2% tax, 2%. And that one change would bring in all the money we need to completely cover the cost of universal childcare and early education for all our babies and still have $2 trillion left over. Yeah, that's what you could do. And to everyone who says to me, it's just too hard, here's what I know for sure. Yeah. It's not easy to make big changes, but you don't get what you don't fight for. Big structural change is worth fighting for. These are the kinds of big structural changes that I would make as president. Changes that would make opportunity available not just to the wealthy and the well-connected, but make opportunity available to everyone in this country. You know, last month when I was in Memphis, I met Latanya, a young mother, who told me about what it had been like when she was going to college. She had struggled with childcare over and over, and she talked about the years in which she was often forced to choose between letting her young son babysit his even younger siblings or staying home from class and giving up on her dream to build a future. And like millions of black women in America, Latanya faced the tough odds. She made do with what she had, and she came out on top. Today she has an associate's degree, a bachelor's degree, and a master's degree. But here's the kicker in the story. Even with all her diplomas, all the progress she has made, childcare is still dragging her back. Her youngest is five years old. He loves his school, but it costs $400 a month. And Latanya said she just can't afford it. The cost still holds her back in taking on the better job that she wants to take on. And here's the question. How many women have the same story? How many parents have been sidelined today because they can't get decent care for their children? And how many kids 
weren't ready for kindergarten? How many were parked in front of a television set for hours on end? How many got a worse start in school because their moms couldn't afford pre-pre-K or couldn't send them to the places with small classes and specialized teachers that all the wealthy folks send their kids to? How many of our kids didn't make it in America because America didn't invest in them? And how many good, talented, dedicated preschool teachers and childcare workers gave up because the pay was worse than working at McDonald's? Again, all because America wouldn't invest in our kids. So I see this as a moment when it comes to us and we can make change, big change in this country. Change for ourselves and change for our children. Yes, we need universal child care. But getting child care passed is a struggle because the people in Congress and the White House frankly think they can ignore what voters want. They plan to keep enough people away from the polls that they can stay in power. They are working hard to shut down our democracy. Just last year, the Republicans in North Carolina's 9th Congressional District threw enough votes in the trash to rig an election. Massive voter suppression prevented Stacey Abrams from becoming the rightful governor of Georgia. They'll fight anyone who tries to stand up and push back. They'll do whatever it takes to stop a full and fair count because they know that there's more that unites us than divides us. They know that a durable majority of Americans believe in the promise of America. And they know that if all the votes are counted, we will win every time. So what's our job? Our job is to fight back. We need a constitutional amendment establishing a nationally recognized right to vote and a right to get that vote counted. And I'm going to tell you something else, too. I'm not running for president just to talk about making real structural change. I'm serious about getting it done. And part of getting it done means waking up to the reality of the United States Senate. Last year, the Senate passed a bill that would make lynching a federal crime. Last year, 2018. Do you know when the first bill to make lynching a federal crime was introduced? 1918, a hundred years ago. And it nearly became the law back then. It passed the House in 1922, but it got killed in the Senate by a filibuster. And then it got killed again, and again, and again, more than 200 times. An entire century of obstruction 
because a small group of racists stopped this entire nation from doing what is right. For generations, the filibuster was used as a tool to block progress on racial justice. And in recent years, it's been used by the far right as a tool to block progress on everything. I've only served one term in the Senate, but I've seen what's happened. We all saw what they did to President Obama. I've watched the Republicans abuse the rules when they're out of power and then turn around and blow off the rules when they're in power. We saw it happen again just this week. Republicans spent years, years, exploiting the rules to slow down or block President Obama's mainstream judges and executive nominees. But now that they're in power, they are unilaterally changing those rules to speed them up and run through President Trump's extremist nominees. So let me be as clear as I can about this. When Democrats next have power, we should be bold. We are done with two sets of rules, one for the Republicans and one for the Democrats. And that means when the Democrats have the White House again, if Mitch McConnell tries to do what he did to President Obama and put small-minded partisanship ahead of solving the massive problems in this country, then we should get rid of the filibuster. We can't sit around for a hundred years while the rich and powerful get richer and more powerful and everyone else falls further behind. We can't sit around for a hundred years while climate change destroys this planet. We can't sit around for a hundred years while corruption pervades every nook and cranny of Washington. And we can't sit around for another hundred years while too much of a child's fate in life still rests on the color of their skin. Enough with that. When we win this election, we will make the changes that we need to make in this country. We come to this fight for childcare and for so much more. We come to this fight to build an America of our best values. And none of this will be easy. In fact, people will tell us to quit now. It's just too hard. But you don't get what you don't fight for. And yes, we can tax the billionaires. Come on. <laughs> we can. This is possible. And yes, we can provide universal childcare and pre-K for all of our babies. And yes, we can ensure that every citizen gets to vote and that vote gets counted. And yes, 
we can become an America where the government represents the will of the people, all of the people. We can do this. Yeah, it'll be hard, but this is our moment in history. This is our chance. This is when we are called to make bold change. This is our time to dream big, to fight hard, and to win. Thank you. To those who would tear the world down, we will defeat you. This is our moment. This is our time. To those who seek peace and security, we support you. Yes, we can. And to all those who have wondered if America's beacon still burns as bright, tonight we prove once more that the true strength of our nation comes not from the might of our arms or the scale of our wealth, but from the enduring power of our ideals, democracy, liberty, opportunity, and unyielding hope. Let me tell you something you already know. The world ain't all sunshine and rainbow. It's a very mean and nasty place, and I don't care how tough you are, it will beat you to your knees and keep you there permanently for letting you Yes, we can. What your country can do for you. I have a dream. Ask what you can do for your country. My poor little children. Yes, we can. One day live in a nation where they will not be judged by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character. I don't have to tell you things are bad. Everybody knows things are bad. It's a depression. In this lifetime, you don't have to prove nothing to nobody except yourself. It ain't about how hard you hit. It's about how hard you can get hit and keep moving forward. How much you can take and keep moving forward. That's how winning is done. Welcome to Public Access America. Yes, we can. Now on Instagram and SoundCloud. You wanted to run out of that tunnel for my dad. On Twitter. Apple Podcasts, the Stitcher Smart Radio, Potable, and more. Yes, we can. Public Access America. History in the making. Making history in the making. In the making.